Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I am Frank Crivello. He is Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank. How are we doing this evening? We're okay. I'm enjoying a uh, River West Stein Ember Lager uh, by the uh, good folks at uh, Lakefront Brewery here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What are you drinking tonight? Something not too far from you, Great Lakes, Great Lakes Brewing uh, Company. It's Oktoberfest. It's uh, time. Very of nice, season. very nice. The microbrews around here know they're Oktoberfest. I promise you that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no problem about that. Ciao, Anthony. Anymore. Ciao, Apex. Good to have you guys with us. Uh, if you're in the chat, tell us what you're drinking tonight. Um, we uh, like to enjoy uh, talking a little calcio over a over a, over a beverage or two if uh, if we can afford it. So. Uh, match week two is in the books, Richard. Um, we had some initial impressions on match week one that, uh, you know, match week two might have validated some suspicions. Um, some things, some games were some teams that looked great in match week one. All of a sudden, match week two don't look so great, and that's why you that's why we say you got to play the games, right? right. Um, so we're going to touch on uh, everything that happened in match week two. We're going to have a look at maybe a couple of trends we're seeing, some players we're uh, kind of getting excited about and uh, deliver some of that for you. Uh, we'll get into some transfer news as we're getting close to deadline day on Friday. A couple of uh, pretty interesting arrivals um, here uh, announced uh, today. Uh, Romelu Lukaku to Roma and also Jesper Lindstrom to Napoli. I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. And uh, the potential uh, for Mehdi Taremi uh, to join Milan. Uh, latest there is um, Taremi wants to go. There's an agreement on a contract. And now it's just down to the teams to agree on the fee. Uh, so um, so we'll uh, tackle all that. We'll tackle maybe some other um news and transfer uh notes that got overlooked so why don't we kick it off richard with uh a recap and uh take it away with everything uh that went on in match week two. All right let's see my mouse here okay starting with uh saturday uh saturday's matchup so we'll start with uh some uh some of the earlier games monza hosting empoli uh and this game was an interesting game monza started out on fire um Got their two goals, two goals actually, nice goals by Colpani, uh, an interesting player there. It's a nice three-headed figure between him, Caprari, and and Mota. Um, but uh, two goals by him, that's all they would need. Uh, Empoli did have more possession in the second half, but uh, Mota took care of that game two nothing. Uh, moving on to uh, the first upset of the of the weekend, it's uh, Frosinone hosting Atalanta, and who knew EDFs get off to a hot start? Did not we did not see that come in right? Uh, two goals, uh, two goals to one. Uh, we got goals from Harawi, who again a second second game in a row, first a second Frosinone player to have goals of back to back games in their history. Uh, and then in the 24th minute, uh, Montarisi got a goal, make it two nothing there. Shock on hand. Duvan Zapata would get a wonderful goal of the week candidate uh, in the 56 to bring to pick one back. Not enough though. De Catalade did look impressive in that game, but all for not two one Frosinone shock victory there. Moving on to Milan Torino. 
Uh, goal scoring started early on. Uh, wonderful goal of the week, Canada play between uh, Rubeloff's cheek and Christian Pulisic, uh, putting the ball away back to his second goal in as many games. One nothing at that point. Uh, a rather soft penalty in the 43rd minute for me. Very soft. Uh, Olivier Giroud converted really well. Uh, to make it three, no, uh, two nothing, excuse me, and then Teo Hernandez, one of the goals of the week there, with a beautiful chip with the outside of his foot, uh, just before halftime, make it three nothing. Uh, they would add a fourth through a penalty. Uh, Torino did peg one back to make it one one early on, but uh, you know it was all Milan in this game. Uh, another, I would say, another soft penalty for me in the, in the 85th minute with Giroud converted again really well. Four one victory for for Milan there, uh, so pretty emphatic victory there. Uh, moving on to Sunday's game. Uh, we'll start out with Fiorentina Lecce. Uh, this game was interesting early. Um, Nico Gonzalez scored a goal early in, the, in t- I think, a header in the third minute, um, followed by Alfred Duncan with a wonderful goal, wonderful play, really, by Fiorentina in the 25th. He had a chance to make it 3 0 and put this game to rest just before halftime and missed a great opportunity. Um, 2 0 at halftime, come out the break. Uh, Rafia with a wonderful goal just four minutes on the other side of the half. Uh, makes it 2-1 and then making his debut for, for Lecce. Uh, Kristovic uh, gets a wonderful header, wonderful assist that led to that. But uh, in the 76th, 2-2 Lecce again. Stealing some points uh, earlier in the season. Good for them. Uh, moving on to um, Napoli Sassuolo. Uh, the champions uh, looked comfortable in this game. There was a penalty, clear penalty uh, in the I got music playing in the background here for me, <laughs> uh, a clear penalty in the uh, 16th minute, Victor Osman would convert, and then uh, there'd be another penalty late in the, uh, later in the second half where um, Raspadori would be stopped. Play would continue. Uh, Di Lorenzo would get a nice goal in the 64th minute. Napoli fairly comfortably two nothing victory over Sassuolo. Sassuolo who looked pretty good in the first game. Uh, Napoli hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You said Raspadori was stopped. I mean, yeah. If he missed, you, I guess. Or, well, if you want to say the if you want to say the moon stopped it, then <laughs> then yeah. fine. Then yeah, then then yeah, the, the Raspadori was stopped. So yeah, didn't go in the goal. Simone right? Zaza, Simone Zaza was laughing at that. No, oh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not, and maybe not Harry Kane either, right? Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, Lazio Genoa, uh, goal scoring. Retegui, guys getting uh, guys scoring goals for Genoa. It's good to see if you're an Azuri fan. Uh, one nothing Genoa looked like they have a shock on their hands. There was be there were question calls for a penalty in the second half where Zakani goes down. For the review, referee says no, no, no foul, and I agree. It was a, a complete dive by Zakani. Um, in a wet, wet, soggy field at, at the Stadio Olimpico, uh, Genoa win one nothing. Um, we'll get back to this game in a second, and then uh, the the. the Interesting game of the weekend, I would say, at least for Sunday. Juventus hosting Bologna. Bologna looking rather impressive, I thought. Or maybe Juventus just looked that bad. I don't know. Uh, but uh, early on, Ferguson, he was pretty dangerous early on in this game. He did get a goal in the 24th minute. Lovely goal of the weekend there. Um, Vlahovic did make it 1-1. Would have been my goal of the week, but went to VAR. Offsides. Um, I, I, I would also mention that early in the, in the first half, Chiesa goes down in the box. Claims for a shot for a penalty. No foul, in my opinion. I thought the, the defender was going for the ball. Um, there was a play, though, that uh, comes into question. It's going to be really putting the clout on this weekend. And, and Doig goes down in the box. Illing uh, pulls him down. No call. Play goes on. Um, Juventus would end up getting a, an equalizer through Vlahovic in the 80th minute. Everyone's screaming, what the hell, bloody murder, and... Fallout from this game is referee gets suspended for one month because it was a legit penalty. It should have been called and it was not. So 
Thoughts? Well, we have Monday game too, right? We got Monday's game too. I almost forgot the last two games of the weekend, right? Salernitana Udinese, Ochoa again standing on his head. Um, couldn't stop Samarchich in the 57th minute, but I mean, he did everything else, I think, in this game. Buladia, a guy we're both high on, uh, equalized in the 72nd minute, just under just under uh, the keeper there. 1-1, one, one, they share the spoils there. And then in another probably emphatic statement there, new boys Cagliari uh, hosting uh, Inter, uh, Dumfries and new man um, uh, Taram linked up nicely in the 21st minute. Nice put away by, by Dumfries. Who knew? He's coming back on. I think Taram is going to help him out this season, right? Uh, and then Lautaro Martinez in the 30th minute would get a, a nice goal himself, goal of the week candidate. Uh, 2-0, Inter really comfortable in this game. I thought Haka Cholonolu was rather impressive in this game as a defensive midfielder. But uh, those are the 10 games this week. Uh, George is in the house just in time for the Kaliti game. Um, uh, thoughts on this weekend, Frank? Where do you want to start? Let me start with the Juve-Bologna game. All right. Um, and I know the, the, the controversy we're going to get talked over and over. I'm glad that the referee was suspended. I mean, I think that that was a stand that Italian Federation and the governing bodies there needed to make. We don't need this ugly, you know, controversy uh, with referees, with, with the reputation that Italy has earned through the years. Yeah. Um, you know, some things that I'm noticing, and I'm noticing it with a few teams, and when I'm watching Bologna play, and they did this to a pretty large degree against Milan too. They were on, And I think in the game where they lost 2-0 to Milan, I think that Bologna were unlucky to not score in that game, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I look at what they're doing and, and how – Tiago Mota has these guys moving off of the ball. Um, it's it's interesting to watch. Uh, Zerxe is big and physical, and they're playing off of him as a target. And if you can see what's happening here, players are getting wide. They're stretching, and in this case with Juve, a back three. You stretch Alexandro. Alexandro doesn't know who to chase, who to defend anymore. I think Alexandro's past it. He's getting to that point at least. And there's gaps now for Lewis Ferguson to run into. It's how he scored. Yeah. Um, I saw Ndoy do this a lot uh, and a really a, a failure on Juventus's part to track midfielders, mid, the midfield runners going through. I think where Milan had some success or Milan were able to uh, diffuse some of this was that they were ready. They were ready for the most part for some of those runs off after the ball, you know, was being played off of Xerxes. There were still some moments where Bologna got through. There was some, a couple of, I, if I remember, a couple of mistimed uh, runs that led to offside. But I think when you watch Bologna's movement, um, and especially in counterattacking situations, I think they're going to frustrate a lot of teams this season. Um, we'll see how Salamakers fits into this picture because it sounds like he's going there on loan with an option. Um, you know, where, where do you put, I mean, you're going to, you're going to play him from the bench. You're not going to put yeah. him in for Rossellini. You're not going to put him in for Ndoy. Wing back. <laughs> I mean, but you're going to put him in for Posh? As a substitute. I mean, as a substitute. Well, sure. I, I, it's, okay, fine. I mean, yeah, and that's what I see is a, a, you know, kind of, you know, a substitute, a guy that's going to just kind of help give them some depth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so do you credit Bologna in this game for them being the ones? the reason why they played so well or, or or not so much Juventus struggling to contain them? You think it's more on Bologna on this one? Uh, I, I, 
I, I credit Bologna for their initiative and their approach to this game. I think that, you know, with Juventus having more of the possession in this game, they got stretched and Bologna is able to exploit them in the counterattack. And they were exploiting Juventus before they could get into those recovery situations. I think they gave a very good blueprint for how to beat Juventus if you really want to beat them. Um, you know, invite possession. Uh, and I think that when you saw them, they crowded things for the most part. They finally were beaten by Vlaovic. Yeah. Um, but they crowded things for the most part, which made crossing difficult and getting service into Vlaovic rather difficult. Um, you know, so I think that there were some pretty good things that they showed in there. I think that they learned, but I, you're seeing a lot, you know, and, 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 and what I saw with Bologna, I saw, I'm seeing across the league, you're seeing a lot of movement off the striker very early on in the season. Yeah. And I'm going to be curious to see over the next few weeks, is that a product of, the team's not playing, you know, some of these teams not playing together much yet, getting their fitness. Defenders are kind of all over the place. They haven't, you know, repetition and playing together. You know, the tactical league that Serie A is, I'm interested in seeing how the teams adjust to all of this now and how they block some of it off. Do some of these teams go back to being more low block type teams, you know, where they try to eliminate a lot of this stuff? Because, I, yeah. you know, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll give you a couple of other examples. Uh, Fiorentina found themselves chasing shadows in the second half against Lecce. Um, Torino found themselves chasing shadows almost the entire 90 minutes against Milan. Um, you know, with some of these plays and some of, some of these play and some of these movements. And if you're putting enough playmakers behind the striker in, uh, a la Monza. Okay. Mm -hmm. It it's it stretches you and and makes makes you very difficult to fit to defend where those runs come into play. Seeing a trend of midfielders starting to come into attacking areas and be dangerous. Who is really good at who is really good at that? Uh, Sergey Milinkovic Savic, and he's not at Lazio anymore. No. And it's why Lazio. I think it's a big part of why Lazio is struggling so much. I think I think Lazio have become predictable in their play. Okay, I think you've got a three man midfield, but none of them know where to go yet. Um, you know, and I'm kind of going all over the place about it, but I'm I'm seeing the the Fiorentinas, the Lecce's, the Napoli's, the Milan's of the world. Um, you know, and I'm probably leaving another team out. Um, Monza, okay, uh, with this off-ball movement, midfielders running in front of forwards, yeah. um, and getting in dangerous and getting in dangerous positions where they're flicked on, they're played in, runs are timed beautifully. Um, and I'm seeing Lazio with a three-man midfield where there are there are no answers. It's predictable. They're all in the same positions. I'm not seeing a lot of movement with them. I'm seeing a lot of hoofing into Immobile and hoping that he scores. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a long season for Lazio if they play if they continue <laughs> to play that way. So yeah. um, those are just some of the initial observations. I kind of started with Bologna, but I let it you know I kind of branched it out into some of the teams that I'm seeing. You know assembling good playmakers behind that can play behind and off the striker that can run in front of the striker and get in position to score dangerous goals. Um, and I think that we're going to see more of this as, as weeks go on. And it's going to be interesting to see how those, how the teams that are struggling with it, make their adjustments. City is the ever chess match, right? And at this point, the, the evolution of the offensive play has really shifted toward 
the strikers holding up the play with the runners coming in and finding the right. You know, all those teams you mentioned, Milan, Bologna, all those teams are doing it. Atalanta did it in a losing effort. Yeah. Napoli are doing it to an extent as well. A lot of these teams are doing it now. Um, and so what we're seeing is very inventful offensive football. And you know the counter move is going to come here. Where I, I imagine the little box and come back into play. You'll see Juventus really start to adapt to this, and, and a lot of other, several other teams. I mean, the clear front runners at the moment look like front runners: Napoli, Milan, and Inter. Um, they look comfortable in both their games so far. You know, starting with the with the Bologna Juventus game. Yeah, I I, I want to give the credit to Bologna. I thought I think what Thiago's doing there, Thiago Mota doing there, is really wonderful. It's really. I don't want to say innovative because a lot of people, other people are doing it, but doing it at the club he's doing it at, he's finding ways to get his player, the most out of his players, right? They're finding ways to play above their level or maybe find the potential that they always had. And we've always said this to Bologna that they've had the talent, they just struggled. And they've, I mean, they're probably a good just at the outside of Europa League type spot or Conference League spot. And they're starting to play like that now. And they look like it against Juventus. And yes, Juventus looked good when they had possession of the ball. But as you said, it's the way they set up defensively, tactically through Thiago Mota. They collapse, force the turnovers, and go on a counterattack, and then really catch the team on uh, on the brinks, on the ropes. And I thought Bologna did that massively in this game. You know, credit to Juventus, they, they try to keep fighting back in there, and they want to they want to claim you know foul on them because they felt that they got jipped. But I don't think so. I think um, I thought Bologna deserved every bit of the points. Probably you know probably could have got all the points. You know, honestly, if that that call that foul was called, right, they would have been two nothing at that point. Hard to come back at that point, uh, the way Juventus was playing in the game and Bologna were playing. Um, I agree that the referee should have been got a suspension a month. I think it's a little little stringent. I mean, if, if they're going to be consistent with this and run the league, fine. I'm all about that. But right off the bat, for one 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 call in that game, I thought it was a little much. But, hey, whatever. I'm not going to argue. As long as I keep it consistent, right? Yeah. Um, moving on to you know some of the other games. Fiorentina Lecce. Again, Fiorentina looked good offensively. But they also found out that if you don't capitalize on your chances, certain teams can't find a way back. And even teams like Lecce, who you would be considered maybe a lower half team, came back. And Lecce, to their credit, they've been playing really well these first two games. Obviously, the first games at home had the crowd behind them. But in that second half, they had all the motivation in the world to get back into this game. That Alfred Duncan miss was huge for them. That was a big motivation. And they got back in the game. And you like what they're doing offensively. Defensively, they got to figure things out. But offensively, they got some pieces there. Uh, some some unsung heroes that are doing really well. And I was talking with some of the guys, the Lecce fan club UK, and, uh, and so it's it's always good to talk about them with the guys. And it's just what what these guys like Rafia uh, is doing. Good to see Restovich, uh, a wonderful signing by them. Hopefully he does as well this year. But I'm not worried about Fiorentina. But Lecce are impressive so far this season. As are Frosinone under EDF. Who who would have thunk it, right? Um, that what they've done so far. Just they've haven't played. They play within their means. They, they know what they're good at. They. they compact defensively, not giving them too much and, and taking their chances, right? You're not going to always beat Atalanta the way they played like in that game, but they did. They got, you know, they, they took care of Atalanta and Atalanta couldn't score for the, for the life of them. Another team that can't score for the life of them, Lazio against Genoa. Genoa, obviously opportunistic, but I'm not, I'm not so down on Lazio as you are. I think early season hiccups, I think they're going to find their way. Obviously the, the pitch, the way it was so soggy, probably played a factor in this. I'm sure the Immobile contract issues are a part of this as well. But Lazio had enough, a lot of chances. I think they had several posts in the game as well. Not like the, I, I compare it to, and they're going to hate me for saying this, Roma last year at the start of the season where they had all these opportunities and just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and Roma eventually found their way, albeit 
not that great in the table, right? So if Lazio better figure it out quicker if they want to have a chance at the top four or, or higher. Um, but I'm not worried just yet. But I mean, Sadi's got to be on the um, keep his head on a swivel here because we had talked about the sack race here at the preview. And one of the guys we didn't mention was Sadi because we thought he was going to have a good season. But I mean, two bad games to start the season is not the greatest for him. Roma in a similar situation. Um, what else? Well, look around the league here. Um, Monza impressed by Monza so far. Even Empoli in the loss, I didn't think they were too bad. I thought Monza just was a better team. Outmanage. Uh, the players did really I love the movement. You talk about the movement like Bologna have Monza as well. Really good movement on this team. I love the front three uh that Monza have there. And uh Hellas opportunistic. My man uh 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 Andre Duda, goal and assist in this game. Uh and Gollinger with the goal of the week candidate there, wonderful goal there. Uh they they were opportunistic, uh like Frosinone, and they found a way to get it done. And yeah. I'm not really worried about Roman either, but uh I'm sure having big Rom is going to be an addition to their team. But, uh, yeah, some of these little, these smaller teams are finding ways early in the season, as they should, because at the end of the season, you need every point you can get. And if you can get teams when they're not quite at their best yet, boom, that's where you got to do it. And, you know, credit to, uh, you know, the Hellas, the Leches, the Frosinones of the world, because they're, they're getting it done so far. Um, so we're talking about some of the aggressive attacking play. We're talking about some of the midfielders getting in front of the forwards. Um, now the the the, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and, it, and it's going to kind of touch on um, Apex's point here: Napoli, Inter, and Milan, um, looking like teams that would do amazing in Europe. And and here's what we've seen through two games with all three of those teams: well, one goal, goals obviously, um, and then in, it's Inter far more probably Inter much more so than Napoli and Milan have Inter. And I'll ask, I'll pose this question to you. All right. Has Inter turned into a team that their farm have they now? I'm just trying to word this right. All right. Um, Bonetti's in the house. Hey, look at this, man! We got to up our game. <laughs> what is the city? I sit down. Good to have you with us, Matteo. Yes, sir. Here's what I here's what I observe now with Inter and right. and. To a little bit lesser extent, Napoli and Milan. But I think the experiences that Inter have gone through, getting all the way to a Champions League final, okay, I think the experiences from that game, and I want your comments on this, they've learned how to be a team that just goes out and gets what they need. They've basically turned into game managers, okay? Because they went and they went to Cagliari and they got two quick goals and then they just managed their way through the game. I don't know. Allegri-esque? Well, I don't know. Not to that degree. I mean, Allegri will just put you to sleep with the way his teams well, play sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Napoli, Napoli are a little bit more ruthless. They score two. They're looking for three, and they're looking for four. Milan scored four at the weekend. But even when Milan beat Bologna 2-0, they got their two. And then with the conditions of the game, the Heat probably had a little bit to do with it. They kind of managed – their way through the game too and, and said, all right, we've got our two, but let's just not give anything away cheap and let them back in the game. I'm starting to see Inter do a lot of that where they, they get their lead and then they just don't allow anything cheap to happen uh, where the opponent can have a chance to be back in the game. And Cagliari might not be the greatest – Cagliari and Monza might not be the greatest examples of this. We'll find out when they have to play against better teams. Yeah. But – your thoughts on that? Because that's kind of what I'm noticing. Watching that Cagliari Inter game on Monday, you know, it's not that they Inter take their foot off the gas, but they're just 
they're avoiding allowing themselves to give up anything cheap. We should retitle this podcast to Evolutions, right? Because I think it's the evolution of Simone Inzaghi and Inter. It's they're adding another facet to their game that maybe they didn't have so much last year, and they learned it through the Champions League run that they went on. But they are becoming a team that can play in multiple different situations. We talked about, I don't know, I think early last year, maybe the year before, that you know they you know they have a plan A and maybe a plan B, but after that it kind of drops off, and now they're starting to add all these different elements to them. They're a super deep team, obviously founding uh, a new role for Chalonolo in the, in the Regista position that he's kind of flourishing at the moment. And so game management is part of that. If you want to be in these games, first of all, get two goals early on, which is great, and then they see the game out. They didn't have to do too much, right? They didn't have to put too much that they can kind of reserve their, their energy for later in the season yeah. when they need it. And that's what good teams do. Uh, we talked earlier early in, the, early in the season about that cutthroat mentality. Yes, it's needed at times, but in games like this, if you have a defense like Inter does, you don't need to do that. You can just yeah. old Allegri 1.0. You get the goals you need and set up shop and block everything off and don't don't create. Any shot. Some are two two clean sheets in two games, right? Uh, everyone's wondering, asking what Onana's doing over there at Manchester United. Summer's a good goalkeeper and he's looking at he hasn't been challenged yet. None of the big three yeah. have been challenged yet. But I think this is an evolution to their game. Is this going to be how they play all season long? No. When it's required, they will play. But I can see if they go down a goal against any team, it's going to be a very attack, 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 or let the other team have the ball and play the counterattack system. They have different facets to them now that make them even more dangerous, not only in Serie A, but also in Champions League, which is what you know Simone Inzaghi is a, a cup merchant, as is like Pioli is, right? I think what Simone Inzaghi is doing in the season um, – with the cup this year, I think he's just going to keep it at this top level uh, and, you know, barring any mental collapses from Inter, this is the Inter we're going to see, a team that can shut it down when they need to or, you know, be a little bit more open and score some goals. I mean, they have wonderful players all over the pitch and the pieces are fitting in together really nicely right now. So, uh, you know, kudos to Inzaghi, what he's done, how he's evolved as a manager, great, great manager. Goes a long way when you can just um, return just about everybody. Yeah, you know, um, the Pavard is coming. Yeah, you can plug Sommer in in goal to your point, and then the the striker that supports Martinez. And in, in in this case, you've got Teram, who's and we talked about this on last week's podcast. The the contrast between Teram and Arnautovic, you know, where Teram can the work rates through the roof. Where Arnautovic probably plays a little bit higher. He's a target, um, even though he had a very nice assist for Lotaro in the Monza yep. win. Yeah. Um, you know, from a wide area. Well, it's, let's 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 be realistic. He shot that and <laughs> and Lataro happened to tell I like Arnautovic, so I, I do like yeah. him. He he is good in the box, he's very clever with his feet. But that's an element that he has that Taram doesn't have. It's almost like in football we use the analogy of lightning and thunder with running backs, right? The small running back who's quick versus the big powerful one who's gonna bust through the hole. It's similar to these two because you know Taram is a quick pace here guy. Arnautovic is gonna be in the guy in the box holding up the play, kind of send up his teammates when he can or going for the goal. There's different different type strikers, but they work for intern and Alartaro just feeds off both of them. Roma, there's no absolutely no way on earth that when they play Inter, Milan, Napoli, uh, you know the top teams in Italy, yeah, there's no way on earth they're going to play. The script is going to have them possessing the ball for 72% of the game like they did against Hellas Verona and 60% against Salernitana. Now, if I'm Inter and Milan and Napoli, I sure as hell go ahead and tell Roma here, you have the ball because you want to know why? Yeah. 
you can counter him. And you want to know why you can counter him? Chris Smalling is taking a step back. Yeah. Um, it's, it's he he's on his heels. Um, he's reacting for the second straight week. He's beaten in a one v one and concedes a goal. Ngonje is quicker than him, so I can excuse yeah. it. But Kondreva, I'm still <laughs> scratching my head at that one. Um, Oh, when Roma and Milan meet on Friday, because Milan want to have the ball and they want to possess it, right? Um, I Roma's going to play a lot of low block. They're going to protect Smalling. They're going to protect some of these defenders who have had their struggles. I fully expect that when they play on Friday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I can't really make a full judgment on Roma, except I hate seeing them when they have a lion's share of possession because they're leaking cheap goals going the other way. That's it. I'd, I'd hate, I hate it if I'm a Roma supporter because I'm worried about a good team that can counter them. And, and yeah. Hellas Verona is still not a good team, even though they've won two games here. Okay. They've kind of, you know, they kind of <laughs> take into the, the, the fashion in which they've won them. They have as many wins um, as we thought they'd have this year. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Goals. They've reached their quota. Exactly. So, in that in that sense, I still think Roma's a little bit of an uh, incomplete. What I do know about them is that they better not get into games where they're looking to dominate possession, because no. uh, when they're stretched uh, and they're beaten, they're they're in trouble. Yeah. I uh, well for sure about Inter. Oh, I said Napoli's going to dominate possession in any game unless they're playing like Man City, right? Um, right. <laughs> so I don't expect anybody to compete with them when it comes to possession. You talk about Inter, you know, and. Big fella here says a good question. He says Inter has a better squad this year than last year. I, I agree with that. I do agree with yeah, that. Yeah, has got a new facet to him himself. But um, yeah, I think you know at, at least with the two Milanese clubs, when Roma plays these teams, the possession won't be. I don't think it'll be lopsided either way. I think Roma, I think Milan and Inter will both try to give up some possession, but it'll be more. It'll be more like 50, 50, 55, 45 in that range. Um, I, I'm interested to see. I fully expect Mourinho to figure out a way to stop what Milan's bread and butter has been through the first two games, meaning the the late runners, whether it's Pulisic, uh, RLC, um, you know, whoever else is coming on the, on the back end, and it's going to probably have to be like a, a layout and Teo show in this one in this regard. Maybe even Giroud because he's a big game player. But we'll see what Roma's made of. I mean, the way they're playing at the moment, you're thinking when they play, you know, any of the top teams in the league, it's not going to look pretty. But, you know, Mourinho does find ways to find your strength to make it a weakness. Uh, and force you to beat them in other ways. And so I fully expect that from Roma. As one of the comments said, D I think Dino said in the chat, like hopefully Lukaku doesn't play, you know, for our sake, Lukaku doesn't play because he's he does play well against Milan. He And he can get between the center backs who are not that big and strong. He can bully his way around as he has in the past. Is he healthy enough to do that? I don't know, but he has that always in him. So hopefully we don't see him, but that's going to be interesting chess match there between Pioli and Mourinho, and I fully expect that to be a tight game. Though I, I, I expect Milan to win... I think it's going to be a lot closer than the first couple games for Milan, I think. Um, but it'll be certainly a fascinating aspect. And Roma have to pick it up. Not only did the goal scoring, I think Pellegrini's been playing really well so far this year, but the rest of the team, the defense has got to pick up. Uh, Terracciano has been okay so far. He's got to warm up to this team, get used to his new players. Um, Spinazzola doesn't look quite himself just yet. Uh, Crisante, to his credit, he looks he looks okay for, for him. All right. But uh, Roma's not there yet. But it'll take time, hopefully, for them. It's um, yeah, maybe the parts need to come together a little bit too. To your hey, point, all oh, you big cats in the chat. That's good to hear. Good to good to have them and good to have them in there. 
Um, so we just uh, so that's a concern I have about Roma. I have that concern about Fiorentina. Um, although Fiorentina is going to want to keep possession and they'll take their chances. I mean, um, so, um, so that's something that, uh, that you have to think about. Um, but that's where I'm at with some of these teams right now. Uh, I mean, I think that, um, Milan beat two mid table teams fairly comfortably. Um, Coming back to them, um, two teams that I think that they dropped points against last season. Uh, yep. You know, and people will sit there and say, "Well, let's see if they." You know, it's it's one thing to do it against them, and it's but it's another thing to do it against the you know the seven sisters of the better teams. Well, yeah. you better do it against them. You know, I was sitting as like, you know, it was like just kind of making it making a comparison, but. National Football League. The Steelers went undefeated in the preseason, but Kenny Pickett got to play against the backups and third stringers. You know, but, and he, yeah, and he drove. Yeah, he 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 had five. He had five touchdown. He played five series and scored five touchdowns. But at the, don't you want him to score touchdowns against? Because if they don't, and if they're not executing against the twos and threes, uh oh, it's not going to look good when you get when you have to play against the better players. So yeah. same thing here. Milan better, if Milan are going to be ready to play against the big teams and try to reclaim this Scudetto, these are kind of the, these are the performances and the statements that they need to make. Napoli are telling you Napoli did this all last year. They took care mm-hmm. of what they had to under the lower the lower teams, and yep. they're showing so far this season they can do the same thing again. So anybody's going to compete with Napoli this year. And you know, I, I I've had my comments about Rudy Garcia this year and my you know my uh, worries about him, but Napoli are still a, a good solid core of a team that they had same had team they had last year. They can handle these teams, and so if you want to compete with them, the Milan's, the Inter's, the Juve's, the whoever, you have to beat these teams that are that are that are below you in the table. And what we've seen so far this year, well, last year Inter and Milan could not do that. They struggled, and that's why they finished where they finished in the table, um, so far behind Napoli. So far, so good. It's it's what you want to do. What you want to see. They look comfortable in both those games. So that's a good start. Again, both those teams are traditionally struggle against these these teams that are you know provincial teams. Uh, for some reason, they find a way to just blow the game. What they haven't done is something. They look fairly solid overall. So you want to see more of that. And again, with any of these big teams, until they face each other, and the first test is this Friday for Milan and Roma. How do they do against each other? Against the seven right. sisters. That's the true test. We said that last year with, with Napoli to start the season. Yeah, they looked on fire against the provincial teams. We said, what did they look like against a, a top a seven sister? First game against Milan, a hell of a game where they won two to one at the San Siro, and Cavada had a really great game, and so did Osimhen. Or Osimhen didn't even play the first game, um, and that's when we were like, okay, look, maybe Napoli is for real. They can they can play. They can play at a dangerous venue. So we'll see how as these these weeks progress and how these matchups come on, how these teams fare. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Romas and Lazio's. Atalantas of the world compete against these other seven sisters that are at the higher end of the of the seven sister list. Are you in agreement? As some of the chat are all sitting here saying that it's it's Milan Napoli Inter three way, I mean three way fight for the title. Um, I, I after two games, I'm not satisfied with reaching that conclusion yet. Um, I think that all three of them will certainly be in the hunt, yeah. um, and I know that that's low hanging fruit to reach for. Um, but if you had to pick a team that is not those three that will sort this out and jump back into this, who do you give the best chance to? 
Well, I, I will say this at the in our preview pod. I did say those three, along with Juventus, would be in the mix, all very tight for the for the title. And I, even though I've changed my opinion on the top four, I think teams that are outside those three, that the top three at the at the moment, I would say certainly Juventus could turn around with the, the not only the team but the, the manager that they have. They know how to get wins. It's it's a fact. They may not look pretty at times, most yeah. of the time, they know how to get wins. Allegri knows how to get wins. I would also keep an eye on look for Lazio. I really do like Lazio's team from last year, um, and they can figure out how to be without life without Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and get some of those pieces in there and get it to work. I think they can they can right their ship and Roma as well. You cannot discount Roma. Um, they have more mental problems than they than do anything else. Got to get the goals in. Uh, I like seeing Pelotti kind of resurgence of him this season. You know, over the last many years that he's been quiet, especially last year. So yeah, I would say those are the three teams I would look out for, and I probably I would say don't discount Atalanta. Yes, we know they don't have Europe this year, uh, but they've looked mighty good offensively, and. Some of these pieces they got. I mean, Coop Miners is starting to come to his own now. He's been given the keys to this team to be like the the to lead everything, the quarterback, if you will. He's looked good. He's pushed up on plays when he had to. He kept he stays deep when he had to. Coop Miners is going to be a a player we're going to be talking about maybe MVP of the season. You know, come you know come the end of the season. So we'll see. But uh, those are probably three four teams I would say look out for. Hey, I, I said I said one team, Richard. Do. I can't pick one. Man. Basically, basically ran down the rest of the league. Hella Verona, right? Hella Verona. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to still say Roma. I mean, I be and for the reasons that I just explained, I said okay, they they had two game environments that that's not the way they win, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, they win by, you know. Being more organized, being more compact. I, you know, I've never seen defenders. I've never seen Roma so exposed under Mourinho, um, and I think that that's something that's going to get corrected. You know, they got off to a very shocking start, but I think that that's something, you know, that they clean up and fix. I'm not there with Lazio. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that. The Milinkovic Savage impact, and it's only been two games. I think it's it's felt um, the dynamism that he played with in midfield for Lazio. I think is sorely missing there. So um, you know, so I'll tip Roma. I still want to keep an eye on um, Juventus. Um, my concern, uh, Alberto, is. Alexandro is getting past it. I, he does. He sometimes doesn't know. Looks like he doesn't know who to mark. He doesn't know where to defend and where to be. And there were gaps between him and Bramer that Bologna exploited and probably should have scored more than one. Um, and I think that good teams that have a good collection of, of playmaking midfielders and pace that can play behind a striker that they can play off of um, are going to be equipped to exploit that. Uh, so that's something that we kind of touched on. Uh, and that was some of the th- that was some of what stood out for me when I was watching the Juventus Bologna game. Um, so, I'd be curious, Alberto, to hear your reaction to that in the chat. So, I'll give you a chance. Um, I got but, a question for you, though. We talked yeah. about the top of the table. Let's look at the bottom of the table. If you look at the, the bottom six places, or even seven, any team with one point or less, right? Roma, Bologna, Cagliari, Torino, Udinese, Lazio, Empoli, and Sassuolo. Of those teams, which one or two do you do you feel is poised to remain in those positions as the season goes on? Not get out of that position, but stay in that position as a season of, of those teams mentioned. 
No, it's easily Cagliari. Uh, I'm sorry, George. Um, it's, um, you know, and right now, and then Patania is going to come over, and, and I think they're trying to find the biggest collection of stiffs uh, to play striker for them, um, which is very concerning. Um, they, I kind of get what they're trying to do. A guy like Yanto comes in and he can provide some service. Uh, he can, he can hit a guy, he can hit it to a guy like Pavoletti or Pavoletti left the game injured and you've got, um, you know, Oristano, you've got, uh, you know, if, if, uh, Petania arrives, you know, guys that can get on the end of crosses, if they can make the runs, uh, I'm trying, I still don't know how Shamoradov fits into this team. Um, and then, uh, you know, Nandez is playing kind of as this, you know, weird, uh, 10 position. Yeah. Alberto kind of agrees with me, by the way. So that's good. Um, uh, but, and I don't think that's a natural position for Nandez. Um, you know, so I just wonder how, where the goals come from. Um, you know, and that's, that's my biggest concern with, uh, Cagliari, Yeah. Which is, which is where I'm at with them. So it's easily them out of the teams that you named. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if I had to pick a team outside of, if I couldn't pick Cagliari, I would say, you know, it comes down to Empoli and Sassuolo and really, though I think both those teams would probably be in the lower half of the table. I'm, I'm worried at the moment for Sassuolo. He will, you know, Dionisi is one of the managers that said this possibly the sack race did not have a great season last year after basically giving keys to a nice team from the Zerbi. And he's not starting to now grant he's played two tough teams to start the season. However, they've looked, they haven't looked cohesive at all. They look dysfunctional. It seems like they can't figure it out. My worry is that it's going to take them too long to figure it out. And yeah. management is going to get, you know, trigger happy there and, and get rid of him because he didn't have a great season last year. If he had a great season last year, it'd be different. Like, okay, maybe gets a little bit of leniency there. But I don't know. My worry is Sassuolo is going to struggle hard at the beginning and Dionis is going to be gone. And I, I think he is a good manager. I really do. But if you can't figure it out, sometimes he's got to go. I mean, now we're going to fill the shoes of what the Zerbi did for sure. Uh, and even EDF to an extent over there. But yeah, it's a result-based business. And especially when the season before you weren't great and you were in that relegation hunt for some part of the season, my eyes are going to be them because they got fairly talented players. We would all agree that I think Sassuolo has some talent on their team, but they just not looking as a team at the moment. So that's be, that'd be a team I'd watch just to say, Hey, you know, keep an eye on them. If they have a really, really slow start, Dionisi might be gone. I don't think the whole story is being told about Sassuolo yet. It's off. I mean, Atalanta and at Napoli are, you know, to start the season is very difficult. So um, I think Empoli is going to be another team that I think you're going to be concerned about at this, you know, you know, at this moment. We talked about the playmaking. We talked about what they've got available to them. Um, Monza played circles around them at the weekend. That's yeah. very concerning. Certainly um, the first half, for sure. Right. But it's, you know, my hope is that, my hope is that they can they can figure something out because when they're on they're they're an exciting team to watch, yep. uh, you know you got to get the, the the Parisi question answered with left back uh, with him now being a Fiorentina player that's yep. that's part of it, but you've you know you've got some pieces from the midfield that can create you've got Caputo who's a a proven striker in this league although I think he's starting to show his age a little bit more as well. 
Um, but they're another team that I would be concerned about, especially with the start to the season that they're going to be off to with some of the teams that they're going to have to play against. Um, it's going to be really, really rough for them. Sassuolo, I think, gets this figured out. I, the, the quality up front and what they've got in attack is, is too good to not to. Um, Ultimately, that's what got Hellas out of the relegation last year, right? The talent right. eventually got them through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barely. Yeah. Um, where Empoli, they're just going to have such a very daunting fixture list to start the season that it just you question, um, you know, what's it going to do to this? This is a because it's still a aside from Caputo, it's a pretty young team. You know, what does it do to their psyche? So, um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how Empoli responds as they, as they go. So, because I think last week we we read off their fixture list for Serie A, and the first six games were as brutal as anybody could could be given. So, would you agree? And it's it's again, all three of these teams, the top three teams, they've really faced nobody so far. But would you say of the top three, the best defense is, without a shadow of a doubt, Inter is the best defense, or would you say Napoli would say Milan? I would say Inter presently. I would say enter, and I think they're getting better with Pavard coming. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think Napoli has been tested yet defensively. I think there's there's certainly – and Milan's only conceded one goal. But they've looked shaky defensively, I think. They have looked shaky. They have explo- They have given up some spaces, and Mignan can only, can only bail you out so much. Yeah. Um, I want to give Tomori the benefit of the doubt and find that, that he recaptures his form. The goal they conceded to Torino, you really can't blame anyone. That is no. just one of those weird situations. You're getting cleared, um, ball comes back. And yeah. You get, yeah, you clear it. You leave your markers because you're trying to step out, and they just get to it first, and they put it right back in right away, and it goes to the right guy. There's just no one you really blame there. Yeah. Um, and Ali, so, we, we, we know all the top three teams haven't been tested yet. We know that. Uh, we're just comparing apples and oranges, like, you know, really how, how they look against these bad teams. But Inter looked the most – prepared best prepared so far i would say i guess i guess the i guess the best statement i can make about all of this is that i think that inter has played with the most maturity out of the three teams fair enough okay defensively, defensively. they exactly well, they they've they've played with experience knowing that this is a long season that two nil at Cagliari is good we're good here let's manage our way through it two nil against monza is in, in the fashion with which they won is good we're you know would they like to be winning four, five, six? No, who wouldn't? Um, but you take three points and you move on. When we get to the end of the season, when we get to those last 10, 12 games, what do we say week after week? It's not style points. It's three points. You know, yeah. you don't have you don't have a bunch of voters on the side. You don't have a bunch of judges on the side giving you tens or, or stuff like that for your performance, and that's how you win the league. It's getting the three points at the end of the day, however you can get them. I would say my, uh, the way I would rate the, the start for the, for the top three teams – for, through two games, obviously, against the opponents that they face. Napoli, as expected, right? Inter, yeah. impressive, I would say. And I would say Milan, surprising. I, I With all these new pieces, you never know how a team with all these pieces are going to fit together. And it started out well. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But that's how I would assess those three teams. I would say if I'm if, if, we, if you just want to power rank Serie A right now, okay. based on what we've seen, um, <laughs> I would have Inter number one, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. I would have Napoli... Napoli two, Milan three. Um, I, give, I give you that. Yeah. Yep. So, just on Hellas, just no, <laughs> overall performance. I actually, even with Hellas Verona winning, I would have them uh, bottom half of the table, somewhere in their bottom half of the table. You yeah, know, I'd, I'd have Fiorentina up there. 
I think um, that's a lot that maybe even two. I would say the fourth team, if I'm power, if, if we're just talking about power rankings, let me look at this. As I think it's Fiorentina because they were a very impressive game one, and they started out with a bang in game two, and then blew it obviously. But so I have them just slightly ahead of like Atalanta, I would say. Okay, now. Okay, only one. Eric says, <laughs> and this is only going to be for this week, and it's going to change. So you Twitter heads and you list faithful listeners of Syria sit down, and I'll, the power rankings through the power rankings through two games. We got to do this weekly now. It's like ESPN. We got to do this weekly now. Yeah. Fourth for me is Lecce. (laughs) Okay. You look at Lecce's resume. 2-1 win over Lazio and came back from 1-0 down to win and came back from 2-0 down to Fiorentina to draw 2-2. Two impressive games. I wouldn't wouldn't fight you for that. I would power rank them fourth right now and and, and come at me. All right? Give me the case for Juventus, and I'll show you that Bologna game and say no. I would certainly put Serlanitana in the top six or seven. I don't know if I'd have them that high. I'd probably have Juve five and then Fiorentina six. That's kind of where I'd be right now if I was to power rank the teams based on their first two games. So, um, but I mean, you look at Lecce, they opened the season with, if I don't know, Max points out along with Napoli. Yeah, but Ollie, they shithoused their way to those six points. They didn't even have the damn ball against Haroma. Yeah, yeah. The two times they had the ball, they scored. Kudos to Hellas, <laughs> but, I mean, come on. They should have their way to two, two wins. Granted, that's good. Good for them. I think that those, gets exposed at some point. But Lecce's oh, sure. resume of 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 be, coming from behind to beat Lazio and coming from behind to get a point from Fiorentina, to me, is more impressive than what Hellas Verona done with their two wins. We've been not, Hellas is going to score, like, 10 goals this year. They're already up to three. So they already, already blew their load in the first two weeks of the season. So let's see where they're going. But, hey. If, if they get a third win in a row, I'm going to put them up the rankings next week. How about that? Yeah. If, 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 if Lecce may move up to number one if they can win next week. Who do they got next week? We got to look at this. That's a good question. <laughs> Handicap our power rankings for next week, right? Hang on oh, a second. Make sure we're not getting ahead of ourselves a little too much here. While you're doing that, uh, shout out to uh, the young Italian had me on his Instagram live. Follow him on YouTube and Instagram. And also shout out to Calcio Reno. Uh, Good, another good podcast. You've this podcast uh, on YouTube. So, let's say host Salerno Tana. Ooh, our power rank is going to be affected. Yes, <laughs> we're going to have some. We're going to have some changes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, um, but no, I <laughs> playing Allegri ball. And if I power rank the bottom three at the moment, uh, I don't know if I'd have Lazio bottom. I'd have. I'd actually have Empoli bottom. Um. So for me, it's Empoli at the bottom. Uh, it is, Cal- you know, actually, I take that back. It's Caliday at the bottom. Sorry, George. Ooh, George. Empoli, Empoli 19th. Um, Verona and then, away to Sassuolo. What's that? He says, Ollie says, Verona away to Sassuolo on Friday. Yep. Um, so for me, the bottom three would be uh, Caliday 20th, Empoli 19th, and then Sassuolo 18th. Okay. Yeah, I would so, go. I would go to the bottom three as it is right now. Oh, I would swap Empoli last, then Sassuolo second to last, and Lazio, just because they're not performing as they should. But they haven't looked bad, honestly. So, yep. yep. So, so that's what that's 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 where we think we were at on the power rankings. We gave you a top four, we gave you a bottom three, and just kind of throw everybody in between. Whatever, however you want them, we won't we won't judge. So. Did you have a goals of the week? 
I did. I think I did. Did uh, did a, did a little bit here. Yes. Um, you go first. All right. Uh, honorable mentions about Harawi for uh, Verona. Uh, Ferguson's Bologna team goal. I thought that was wonderfully done there against Juventus. Number five for me, Colpani's first goal. I thought that was a wonderful strike from distance, top corner there. Coming in at number four, the American Captain America, Christian Pulisic. He's not Captain America. He's in the captain for the U.S. Anyway, uh, Christian Pulisic, number four. Number three, Duvan Zapata. Wonderful hold-up play, touch, and then powers it past the keeper. Number two, I thought it was going to be done by number one, but number two, Teo Hernandez with a lovely outside-of-the-boot shot. And my number one, sorry, Roma fans, uh, Ngonj. Wonderful counterattack uh, by them and just clinical on the finish, Ngonj, and puts it away. That's my top five. Okay, I'm going to go with Ngonja's goal at number five. Vlaovic's header at number four. Uh, wonderful cross from Ealing Jr. Um, uh, Zapata's goal, number three. Uh, Kopani's first goal for Monza, number two. Teo Hernandez was my goal of the week. Fair enough. So, and uh, you can flip-flop Teo and Kopani's goals, and I wouldn't I wouldn't fight you on it. Had Vlaovic's goal that he scored that goes offsides counting, that would have been my number one, but it didn't, so. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I don't think I had Pulisic, Pulisic on my list, so let's just give that an honorable mention. You know what wasn't in our talking points for today, but I think we should bring it up now. Go um, ahead. I would say, well, we obviously know who the new manager is for the Azzurri. It's Spalletti. Yeah. But as kind of we expected and show me the money, Saudi Arabia comes in and steals Mancini away from the Azzurri yeah. to be their new manager. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, are you spiteful towards him? Are you like, take the money and run? I'm like, how do you feel on this? Thank you for the joy of giving us a European championship. Enjoy the money. Uh, but it was time. Something had to be done. Uh, it was getting, st- I mean, it wasn't that, you know, I mean, he could still produce results to a certain degree, but it was getting stale. He was, co- he was relying on the same guys. He was, he was, he was relying on the guys that won in the Euros. He didn't, he was reluctant to change unless the in, the injuries got to a point where he was forced and where I think I, I expect Spalletti to be more experimental. Um, I expect him to take this situation. Di Lorenzo, you captain. Execs and youth. I, I don't doubt that and would yeah. be 100% behind that. Oh. I think he could usher out some of that old guard and bring in some of the younger upcoming players. Um, and, uh, provide some stability. So um, I Rumor like... Is he's trying to get Osiman to change his citizenship to Italian, but I don't think that'll happen. No, that's <laughs> not going to happen. No. Or Qualitalia. So yeah, yeah. I have to figure out a different way to do it. But the the it was the most natural decision. Yep. Um, continuation of the 4-3-3. Um, a little bit of a shift in the way things are going to be done tactically. Uh, a lot of attention. I mean, and, and, and what Spalletti, when you look at his track record, what's the one position that thrives? Number nine. Yeah. What's the one position where we've had problems with Italy? Number nine. Thank you. So that's another big reason why this fit works. Yeah. Um, now he'll get to maximize who he'll pick his nine and he'll get the most out of it. And, you know what? That job's wide open. I don't know if he'll go to a veteran like Immobile or if he'll go to Rategi. You know, Rategi continues to produce for Genoa. It might be him. Yeah. Um, will Raspadori get enough games with uh, Napoli to get a shot? Will Scamacca get enough minutes with Atalanta to get a shot now that he's there? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I don't think there's a resurgence with Belotti per se, but those are going to be just some of the ideas. So, 
I mean, I'm with you on the, you know, thank you for what you've done. Got us the Euros and you're moving on. But it's also part of me is like, why the F did you wait so long? I mean, if, yes, Saudi Arabia probably came out of the blue and said, hey, do you want the whole world and, we'll, and you'll come be our manager? I'm sure, I'm sure that happened last minute. However, man, the way that he left the Azzurri was a kick in the nuts. Really, it was. And thank heavens that Spalletti decided to take a year off from, from coaching the, from coaching, you know, club teams that he was available. Because if he wasn't, then what do you do? So he got, we lucked out that right. Spalletti is available because if he had Conte or whoever else, I don't know if it would work out as well as it did the first time around or anybody else. I don't know if any, anybody else could be a good enough fit with what Mancini was doing because, as you mentioned, he ran a 4-3-3. Spalletti runs a 4-3-3. Yes, slight deviations in how they play, but it's the most natural fit. And so on such short notice, I think this Azuri team can thrive under – under Spalletti, at least in the short term, and then eventually, when he gets the team the way he wants it, it'll be a, you know a nicely nicely functioned team that with a, a number nine for a change. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to the way this is going to happen. Um, you know, again, if I was in this Mancini's position, I was offered all all the money in the world. Sure, I'd probably do the same thing, right? Uh, I think we all would. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's surprising and not all at the same time. But uh, Azuri are in good hands with Spalletti, I think, and. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised we see a lot of Raspadori on the team, honestly, because um, he he's a Napoli guy, as you know, as one of Spalletti's guys, and obviously De Lorenzo is now the captain for the Azzurri. So you're gonna see a lot of Napoli influence uh, on the team, and uh, I'm excited to see how this team will play going forward with him. I'm gonna be really, I almost want to watch the first practice under Spalletti, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's I think it's a step forward for Italy, and I'm uh, yet. George, come on. We got we got 36 more match weeks, but not man, the whole team. Not the whole team. I'm not I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not putting the whole 11 in there yet. I do like this Lavumbo though. Um you know, and I hope that Kelly uh, I hope well Ranieri is going to have to play him more because they don't have anybody else with any pace out there. Uh so uh so hopefully he sees hopefully he sees a little more time. So yeah. Moving on to the transfers. Oh yeah. Um so what we know right now is because we're getting closer to deadline day here on Friday. So we'll kind of get a little bit ahead of this. We know that Romelu Lukaku is with Roma. Yep. Jesper Lindstrom is with Napoli. Those were the two big ones that were announced today. Alexis Salamakers looks to be heading to Bologna on loan with an option to buy, but not an obligation to buy, an option. Uh, we also learned that Musa Barrow will be leaving Bologna. He's heading to Al Tawan in uh, Saudi Arabia, so we lose him. Yeah, unfortunate. Yep. Torino looked to be getting, have asked, and these are all from uh, Nicolo Schiera, um, at Nico Schiera. Uh, Torino have asked Tottenham uh, for Jafet Tanganga on loan with option to buy. Um, just kind of going further down because he, um, Torino was making a bid for Duvan Zapata. Duvan Zapata doesn't want to go. Um, and uh, but another uh, while Bologna are making some strides and doing some things, they just did, they did take a hit. Uh, Nico Dominguez is gone. He's going to Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in it, it almost it almost feels like it's an exchange because Remo Froehler is coming back to City and he's going to Bologna. Good. So good. <clears throat> he'll so do well. We'll have, we'll have so he'll be able to slot in basically and play such a Dominguez's there. role in a sense. Yeah. So, might be a little bit of a different player, but uh, we shall see. 
Um, Emmanuel Dennis getting closer to Udinese from Nottingham Forest. Um, Moise Kane wants to stay at Juventus. Um, uh, Milan is confident to finalize. Medi Taremi signing from Porto. Expected today a new round of talks to try and close the deal. Agreed personal terms with the striker. Would be their 27th signing of the season. <laughs> yeah. Just insane. Oh, my um, gosh, yeah. Uh, what is it with Lazio selling off a bunch of players four days before the Mercato closes? Yeah. I think they're just trying to get the back end of the roster moved. Um. You know, I didn't hear anybody of note getting ready to go, but Lindstrom's in for thirty million from Eintracht Frankfurt. Love it. You've got some city on knowledge. I love this move. I mean, and Chucky Lozano moves on. He goes back to PSV Eindhoven. I think that's where he was before he arrived, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it looks like he's headed back. I love this move for Napoli. It gives you guy. Uh, it gives you a guy with good technical quality, but some pace on the right hand side, which is something that I, you know, clearly Politano lacks. Um, <laughs> But Lozano doesn't really have an abundance either. So um, this makes I think this makes Napoli and their attack far much more dangerous. This is an upgrade, in my opinion, with Lindstrom. What do you say? Yeah, he's he's added some height to their team as well. He's an interesting signing. Uh, he's more he mostly played like as a as a back wing back type position previously. So seeing him a little bit further forward would be interesting. Um, hey, less defensive responsibilities, so it means you can be more on the offensive end. This guy's got a good shot. He can cross the ball very well. Good work ethic uh, or good work pace, I, should, I would say. Um, so I love the signing for Napoli. I mean, it just adds more depth to their team. And, yeah, if you can if you make this, the, the right side a little bit stronger, add a little bit more height so when they're in the box, it can be more even more dangerous than they already are. Yeah, this is, this is nothing but good signing for, for Napoli, and I don't, I, I don't think they even paid that much for him, honestly. I don't, I don't know what the, the price was. Um, yeah, Lister is certainly young. He's 23. He's got a lot of upside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a steal, honestly, for, for, from getting from Eintracht Frankfurt. I know the Frankfurt guys. Uh, actually, I know the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast very well. And uh, they, I'm sure they're going to be hating this, uh, this loss for them. So that's a great signing for Napoli, I think. Yeah. What do you think of Lukaku to Roma? It's interesting. It certainly is interesting. I agree. Um, I mean, Mourinho loves it because he, even though he loves Inter, it's like he can. Everyone hates Lukaku. Lots of people hate Mourinho, so it's like a perfect marriage in that sense. Um, they also got Asmun, Asmun uh, for Leverkusen, who is a player that Milan were going after, so that'll help with them as well. As well. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see how this works. I think it, it it can work well. Obviously, if he's motivated and he's in shape. He's going to be dangerous. Um, is he either? I I would imagine he's he's motivated because if he truly believes, and I, we don't know the whole actual the actual story behind everything that's going on with Inter and all that stuff, but if what we hear, in, if he feels spited in any way, especially against Inter and Juve, um, he's going to have a, a chip on his shoulder. And when at least when he plays those teams, that's when you need a player to step up and that, that you know, a guy who can bully defenses, he can do it if he's in shape. So let's see if he gets. I don't know what kind of shape he's ready. I know Apex said at Chelsea he really had no preseason, so it probably might take him a few weeks to get in there. But if, like I said, a motivated, fit Lukaku is dangerous for any any team, and it's a it's they have a they have a player who can bully defenses that no one else on their team can do. No one, Belotti can't do it. Belotti's decent at it, but he can't do it. Uh, Tammy Abraham couldn't do it. Um, no one else. I mean, Paul De is not going to move anybody, right? Paul De is not going to move referees, so. Uh, I think having a, a big body like that in the box is to push people around and and play play the style that we've been talking about in this league that where the, the striker holds up the ball and feeds it to the, the 
the midfielders who are trailing, like a Pellegrini or whomever, this could work. This could work. Yep. Yep. Um, I I like the fit is what I'm going to say. Um, you know, I, I can just see him holding it up and Spinazzola coming down the left. I can see Dybala coming through the mid, you know. I think that he's far more effective in that hold-up role than Belotti is, you know. For the physicality that Belotti possesses, he, st- he I think Belotti would rather lean on the la- on the shoulder of the last defender yeah. and get played in. Where where Lukaku doesn't mind absorbing the punishment and letting midfielders get in front of him, yeah. like we're seeing a lot of in this league so far. Correct. Um, so th- those would be the things that I would say uh, might help Roma here. Um, and then if you're going to get into a low block counterattacking style, I mean. Lukaku played played it wonderfully at Inter, although he had a support striker with him. So can can Dybala be what Lautaro Martinez is? Probably not. I mean, they're, they're two totally different players. Um, you and know, Belotti. so what's that? Belotti. Mm. Belotti thrive under a, uh, as a second striker. I don't know if Mourinho even wants to play that though. I think he's going to stick with that three four two one. Yeah. Um, I think Pellegrini's going to come to a, even as good as Pellegrini played last year. He's already come out. More offensively, he's looking like an, even another version of himself, you know, even better version of himself. So, yeah, I think having Pellegrini and, and Dybala back there will be a nice compliment as opposed to like a Lataro. Lataro does like a little bit of what both of them do. I think having both those players there, I think will be nice compliment to Lukaku. Uh, if he is, you know, indeed in shape that like we like they hope he is. Yeah, um, Taremi. I don't want to count, you know. I, 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 I like the prospect of it, but he's not a Milan player yet. Hold me that, show me that jersey, official jersey, you know. Yep, exactly. So I, it's hard to comment on it, but man, he would be able to slide right in and pick up where Giroud leaves off once Giroud's, Giroud's contract is up. Um, so in that sense, I love the move if if Milan can get it, but we can't get uh, we can't get carried away here. So. Apex has um, got a good point. IOR from Roma could be a nice secondary player you might put in there behind Roma Lukaku. Uh, that gives a little bit more freedom for Dybala and Pellegrini. So all options for them. Maybe. I've liked Al- I've, I've always liked IOR. So yeah, he's good in legal. So you know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that comment or that statement. I think there's some teams that are just done. Uh, Inter, I think, are done unless something at the last second happens. Um, I think they're going to be satisfied with what they've got going in. It's astonishing to me that Samarjic is not an Inter player. It's astonishing to me that Samarjic is still a Udinese. Um, this is a <laughs> he's a heck of a player. He's not going to be at Udinese much longer. No. Um, so, um, well, I still, you know, and I and I stand by what we said in our preview pod when we had Joe on. I mean. There's a lot to be excited about with Serie A, with with the arrivals. I mean, any other departures are disappointing to see them go, sure. uh, but the new players come in are going to bring a fresh perspective of things on the league. They're gonna they're gonna make it exciting. It's gonna be, you know, um, yeah, I, I think Serie A is becoming an even more technical league. It's always been tactical. It always will be. Uh, but with the players that are being attracted and coming in, you're seeing a nice blend of technique, pace, quality. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's overall for Serie A, it's been a good Mercato despite the departures. Dominic asks, is uh, Kunic staying or going? I, I say if Pioli had his druthers, uh, a nice term we use here in the States, 
I would say Krunich stays, but uh, yeah. if Fenerbahce offers enough, I'm sure I want to. I almost said Elliott Management. Um, Redbird would say, "Yeah, go if you're gonna go for twelve million, go for it." I agree. I agree. I, I can't see. I can't see them uh, turning that down. So, so we'll see what has to happen. Who becomes the um, next teacher's pet if uh, Krunich leaves? Not Adley. We'll have It'd be to nice see. Nice Adley, but yeah, I don't know. That's probably we'll have to see. I'm still trying to figure that out. Who else? At this point. Yep. Um, I saw Matteo Bonetti seeing he was, he was in the chat earlier. Uh, he, he mentioned, uh, in Twitter and he theorized, well, why isn't, you know, Amrabat's getting tossed around. It was Manchester United. Then it's Atletico Madrid. Why wouldn't Milan go for him? Well, it seems like, I mean, my easy answer to that is, yeah, I mean, Amrabat would be an excellent fit in, in the new four, three, three, just plug him in the middle there. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the money. I think it's what he's going to, what it's going to cost. It might actually would. It would not be, you know, I don't want to touch on what, what he said um, and just say, look, I love the idea. I love the theory. I think Milan would probably have to spend more to get him than than uh, Atleti or Manchester United would have to just as Fiorentina would, if, if they're going to sell him, they're not going to want to sell him to somebody in the within the same league. Yeah. Yeah. Though they have a pension to sell some players to uh, the arch rivals Juventus, so maybe they would. <laughs> yep, you never I would know. Also, I would love to see Amit about stay in the league. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, if he gets with the right fit, he could do some special things. Uh, obviously, I know the position he played with Morocco in the World Cup was fantastic. He just really shined to see what kind of talent this guy's had. And when he's been in the city and been in City, yeah, he hasn't always been playing that same position. So if he can find a team that he can play a position that he feels comfortable in, this does his job and worries about nothing else. I think that'd be what he needs, and you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the transfer will happen. Who knows? But uh, I'm, yep. not, I'm not expecting it. Yep. Well, no, neither am I. I mean, there's no chance. And then the other thing is, is that when you look at Milan's buying patterns, they're pretty much capping the majority of their purchases in the 20s. Yeah. You know, and numbers thrown around for Amrabat has been in the 40s. So, yeah. um, I just can't see it. Just can't see it happening. And then, what do you do when Benacer's back? Um, because I don't think you can double pivot them and go back to the old way of doing things. You could maybe do a rotation because when Benazir comes back, he's not going to be. In, you're not going to just throw him right in and have him start playing right away. You know, yeah. so that's a well. Sure, we'll see. I mean, I, I, Mateo, so Mateo tweeted that, and I love the idea. I would love to see Amrabat in a Milan shirt. I don't think the economics are there for it to happen. I think Milan would have to pay pay more for him than Atleti or, or Man United would have to just because of the being in the same league. That's just my 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 take. So, no. all right. Well, I think we've exhausted it all, and let's. Uh, it's probably now time for the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for who won Calcio Twitter. Richard, take it away. All right, lead us off. Uh, it's uh, our old friend Paris. So the original tweet was from Sempre Milan. And it says AC Milan will spend half time on the sideline. Will spend half time on the sidelines because the air conditioning inside the dressing room isn't working. And uh, <laughs> Paris just goes. They went from AC Milan to no AC Milan. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. It's the old Silvio Berlusconi trick there. Thank or, you, uh, Tra- thank you, Scotty Bowman or Scotty Bowman in, in the NHL. He used to do this all the time to the opposition. <laughs> All right, we've got Zach Lowry at Zach Lowry. 
In order to protest against the club's lack of recruitments following the relegation, the Spanish third-tier Malaga fans went to the airport and greeted random strangers as if they were new signings. <laughs> I love this. It's not Serie by the way. I love this. You know, <laughs> say F you to the management, and they're having fun while they're doing it. So that's great. That's great. Uh, let's see what I'm uh, moving on. Oh my god, I don't know if I want to see this one. Saturnion, and it's uh, of hard standing in line before the kickoff and hearing the Syria anthem playing. <laughs> oh, mercy. Oh, let's see. Perisic, Lukaku waking up with a new personality. He is now a childhood Lazio fan. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's, and great. that's our leader in the clubhouse right now. It is. Well, speaking of Lukaku, it's uh, Napolinissimo says, Lukaku, after watching this Roma performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's up there. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, zing. Uh, Paris has been on a roll. You're playing Milan, and the ref blows the kickoff. <laughs> it's Milan right at the penalty spot. <laughs> fair enough. Fair shout. Fair shout. That's creative. It was. I like it. All right, moving on. Hey, a new one. That's Los Stilo Juve. It says, back-to-back preseason Scudetto Dark Horse champions added to the trophy case. Roma 2, not Salernitana 2, Hellas 2, Roma 1. Oh, sorry, Roma. Sorry, Roma. <laughs> oh, mercy. Okay, so this is at not underscore Morata, 687 days until Chesney's contract runs out. Uh, Mourinho at press conference explaining how he can't compete with other clubs after spending $200 million in signing Dybala, Aura, Paredes, Pelota, Belotti, Indica, and Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, that's probably spot on there. Spot on there. Oh, God. Uh, this next one is uh, from – well, Tancredi posted this one, but I saw several people posting this, and it's uh, – Cagliari fans against Inter and uh, showing their the wonderful side of them. There's a, there's a twist to this video, and here he comes. <laughs> God bless Cagliari fans. God bless Cagliari fans. <laughs> so good to have them back in the league. Yeah, yeah. All right, at Napoleonismo, Bonucci seeing Lukaku in the Rome airport. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he really is a master at his craft. He is. He is. All right. It's uh, it's what got too so mad is Pioli told when Pioli when they told him Krunic wants to leave. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, at football, Kareem. Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. The original tweet was um. Milan are looking for uh, looking to sign Taremi. The club are negotiating terms tomorrow morning. Yep. From the office. Yeah. Stay fucking calm. All is that right. it? That is it. All right. That is it. All right. What you got? <sighs> Let's see. Okay. So it's either at not underscore Morata or it is uh, the uh, Pedisic Lukaku waking up with a new personality. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> I like Napoli Nispo with the, uh, the, um, oh my God, Carlo Ancelotti singing. Uh, I look, I like Paris niche for sure. And 
Oh, is the first one? No, uh, or Bonucci, the one with Bonucci and Lukaku. Yeah, that was a funny one. In the too. Rome airport was funny. I like, I do like the, I do like the Lukaku with Lazio one. Other than Napolinismo with uh, Roma, so I'm with you with a uh, Perisic. All right, so the Lukaku one. Yeah. Okay, that's our winner. Perisic has done it again. Uh, just edging out uh, some of the other contenders. Uh, so his entry about where is this damn thing? <laughs> okay, there it is. Lukaku waking up with a new personality. He is now a childhood Lazio fan. That is the winner of this week's edition of Who Won Calt Show Twitter. So I will go ahead and uh, put that up and um, I'll, uh, share something with the people, Richard. Yeah, uh, well, first, one of the ones I thought was in this, and I thought I had nominated this, but I guess not. Uh, it was a video where, uh, well, Nana, after two games, I think well, Manchester United are 0-2 or something like that, giving up goals left and right, and he's going to be like the same thing like Lukaku. I love Inter. I want to go back to them. I always want to be with them. <laughs> So uh, that's there's that. Uh, sorry, I don't know where that video ended up, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Shout out once again. Uh, shout out the young Italian uh, on both Instagram and YouTube. Here, I was on. Uh, we did an Instagram live together. Uh, talk a little bit Napoli, a little about Syria. Uh, so that was interesting. We might do some more work with them as well later down the line. They do all things Italian, not just Italian football. And then also shout out to Calcio with Reno. Uh, Juventus fan does nice videos, not only for Juventus but all, all Syria. And then. People I saw in the chat in terms of uh, podcasts and stuff like that. Obviously, shout out to Matteo Bonetti for jumping on the chat uh, as well. Yeah. All Juve cast as well. Give them That's a it. follow. Oh, you got to get on with us soon, man. You, you, your, your resume is not complete without an appearance on the stage. <laughs> Just saying. So, yeah. so. Those are my shouts. I'm sure I forget something, but it's all right. I, you know, I just uh, shout outs to uh, all of the podcasts uh, that are that are covering. Uh, City, uh, um, yeah, yeah. killing it. Spotlight's a little bit more on all of us now. With uh, when you're talking about, especially on this side of the pond, when you're talking about Americans that are playing in City, like Pulisic and Weah and McKenney now and Musa, um, you know, chief among them. Uh, so, uh, you know, so we appreciate the listenership. We appreciate the added uh, listeners uh, for us. But uh, just some other, if you wanted like fan specifics, um, the Raf and Raf uh, rant. Um, over there, uh, all things Napoli. Those are two great guys. Um, uh, the Forza Napoli pod with Joe Fischetti, who was our uh, our uh, um, uh, co- our, our guest here uh, on our uh, preview della Madonnina. Uh, check them out. Uh, obviously, remiss if I don't mention uh, Vinny and Stevie uh, and Presidente over there at Milan Weekly Podcast. And they're on Monday nights. We do not pod on Monday nights because that is out of respect to them. We want to make sure we're out of their way. Um, because we know we've got some people here in the chat that follow, you know, watch and listen to our podcast that watch and listen to that one as well. So, uh, shout out to them. Uh, all Juve cast Alberto was in the chat with us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give him some, uh, give him some time. If you want to learn a little bit more about Juventus Lazio lounge, uh, the guys over there do great stuff covering all things Lazio. Um, uh, who's our Roma guys? Chiesa di Totti. Chiesa di Totti uh, you know, and I'm, I'm just, man, I'm leaving some things out, leaving, leaving some people out. The Italian football podcast, check them out. Uh, yeah. Good guys. They've always had our backs. Yep. Um, you know, so uh, that's, uh, that's Carlo and Nima. Uh, so please, uh, please follow them. Please follow and support them. Martino Puccio, Matt Santangelo. Uh, so many great people um, that are out there. 
uh, grinding it out um, in the podcast streets, trying to uh, deliver some Calcio content. And I want to make sure that it, I mentioned as many as I possibly could. And forgive me if I left you out. Um, I, got, I got one. La La Turna podcast, the general podcast uh, out of New York City. I believe okay. New York City or Toronto. Okay. I think it's Canada, it's Canada. So shout out to them. They have a recording last night or tonight. I forget what it is. But uh, yeah, shout out to them too. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, let's have all a great. Let's have a great season together. Let's all respect each other's work. Let's enjoy each other's work, um, and let's enjoy delivering uh, the information on how we're seeing things go down uh, in Calcio uh, here uh, on this side of the pond for uh, for our listeners to enjoy and for our viewers to enjoy. The chat was unbelievable tonight, man. This was as lively a chat as we've had. Uh, so thank you, and please keep on coming. We're going to try to make this be a regular thing on Tuesday night, so you know where to find us. We didn't consult about this. I'm just making an assumption, Richard. Works for me. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So um, I want to thank everybody in the chat uh, for joining us. If you are watching this here on our YouTube channel for the first time uh, and uh, you want more, please, uh, first of all, drop a like. It means a lot to us. Uh, but subscribe to the channel so that and hit that notification bell. This way you're notified of when we are going live on the air. We do little many video drops of this podcast uh as you know throughout the week to kind of give you know broken down takes uh you know fractions of the podcast you know if you want you know we did it with our first impression so if you wanted our first impression of enter we had it there's a bit richard does a great job of editing it breaking it down and releasing that there's just our take on enter so we'd love you to listen to the whole thing okay but um you know sometimes if you want to just hear the snippets you can do that too so yep. Um. All right. Well, with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, uh, where we have our also our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, wherever there is podcasts. There is Serie A Sit Down. Uh, Richard is found at r underscore k h a r m a n. I'm at ftc underscore twenty one uh, over there on Twitter. Uh, we also are at Serie Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. You can also check us out on Facebook. Uh, so we're in all of the social media spaces. So uh, uh, give us a follow in every each and every one of those. Um, and we will be back next Tuesday. We'll have breakdown of Roma Milan. We'll have breakdown of Inter Fiorentina. We will have breakdown of all of the European draws uh, and how the Serie A teams fared and sizing up their prospects for qualifications from the respective groups. Um, so we will have a lot uh, to digest and break down. So please be sure to be back with us next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, on the YouTube channel. So, oh, and check out the website, www.setiasitdown.com. So, uh, but that will do it for tonight. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Oh, man, they mess up. Oh,